can't afford therapy, can we still get into recovery? Welcome to the Real Talk Recovery Podcast with the Therapy Brothers. We're brothers, we're therapists, and we know recovery. Bring your stories, your questions, your successes with Real Recovery. can't wait to get into that topic. Um, I think it's one that it's a topic that really needs to be discussed. And I don't think we've ever talked about it here on this show. So that's awesome. But before we do, I just want to acknowledge that um, I'm alone today. Uh, Tyler is off in Miami and just traveling the world, living the dream, doing the thing that Tyler gets to do, you know, while I'm stuck here working. So <laughs> just, I'm just kidding. Um, Tyler needs a break and I'm glad he's gone and I hope he has a great time. Um, so I do have a guest here today though, and I'm really excited to talk to her. So Ariel, wel welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, so Ariel, if you could give me just a little bit of context, a little bit of background, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Yeah. So um, this June will be three years since my husband actually came to me and let me know that he had pornography addiction. Um, from the very beginning, I was very um, gracious and compassionate towards him. And um, so that was kind of the beginning, which I know is not the norm for most people. Now, slowly but surely, uh, I think betrayal trauma really set in for me, um, kind of around that six-ish month mark where things were still happening. And he was being honest as best as he thought he could be. Um, but it was just too much for me. I have my own kind of sexual baggage from childhood and some um, sexual trauma. So around the six month mark, they kind of became tied together. And I didn't recognize that at first, but it felt like I was like trying to flee um, from, you know, anytime something was happening, I could just feel like inside, I was just like, I could get out of here. You know, I just overwhelm. Yeah, definitely. And, and so it wasn't until I got into therapy much later that I recognized that um, the two were tied together that I was, that it was like, he was preying on me, not on someone else or, you know, something along uh -huh. those lines. Uh -huh. Um, so from around that six months mark, I, I, there was just some really good God things that kind of fell into place that allowed us to connect with, uh, a CSTAT counselor. And we really could only afford a few months worth. So we had some money set aside, um, from, um, a litter of puppies that we had had. And so we took that money, we put it into counseling. And so we did disclosure and that kind of thing. So fast forward, we could only do that for about three months. He got into a group, which we paid for an online group, um, which is, it's basically like a year's group. And I think in total, it's close to like eight or $900. Okay. And so he did that for a year. Um, he had some really good stretches in there. But he's really, I mean, he's never gone longer than about six months. Um, and in the last year, it's been dramatically worse. Um, like, hasn't gone 30 days since October of last year. Um, and so it has severely wrecked our marriage. <laughs> he was in California for three weeks a month ago. And, um, you know, it's like, okay, well, you know, we want to do therapy again. But mm -hmm. still, there's this financial burden of, okay, we, we have to set aside money to be able to do this. We have six kids. We're actually uh, pregnant with our seventh. 
Oh my gosh. Accidentally. <laughs> wow. Definite, uh, overly surprised when you've done something medical to prevent it and it's still, Oh my gosh, so. <laughs> Ariel. <laughs> um, so, uh, pregnant with our seventh, which is just another added stressor to yeah. the situation. Um, six kids under 13 oh my and, gosh. Uh, a small farm and we also homeschool. So, um, there's just a little we, on your plate, a little on your plate yeah, there, Ariel. Just a little bit, yeah. just a little bit. Um, he has been pretty open to anything that, um, you know, like I suggested and stuff like that. And he's very honest. And I think that's the one thing that really has drawn me back over and over again is that he's been really sadly, sometimes brutally honest with me. Okay. And so his addiction is pornography. Um, he's never stopped outside of our marriage in any other way. Um, okay. and so, um, after he went to California and came back, we kind of like recommitted to try to figure this all out. And in turn, you know, we've talked a lot about counseling and getting into another group and things like that. Um, the mm -hmm. last time he was in a real group was September of last year. And um, he's not the kind of person who really likes to commit to do things on a set schedule, regular basis. Okay. So I do feel like group is great for him because it forces him to get into that regular rhythm uh -huh. of dealing with his own stuff and everything like that. He's a ton of childhood trauma, which I think is one of the reasons why I feel like he really needs therapy and uh -huh. needs to be with a counselor. Um, you know, he was bullied as a kid, neglected. His parents were divorced when he was four. His um, mom, the, the, his earliest childhood memory is his mom getting beaten by his dad and arrested. Oh, wow. And, um, and then she married four other times besides that and had numerous boyfriends live with them. And so he had a lot of non very good father figures yeah. in his life. And um, he kind of had to figure things out on his own from a pretty early age. Yeah. And he grew up raising himself. Mostly his mom worked except for, you know, two days over the weekend. And, and so there wasn't a lot of parent figure in his life and his older sisters, as soon as they could get out of the house, were out of the house. Okay. So that's kind of the backstory for him. That's one of the reasons why I feel like therapy would be excellent for him. And, mm -hmm. you know, being in therapy myself, I found a very reasonable, you know, counselor that is way cheaper than you can get for like a CSAT counselor or a very well trained counselor in sexual addiction, which right. I feel like is important for because we had during this period of the three years, besides the three months worth of CSAT, he also had a little bit of time with just a regular counselor who was trained with some, had some addiction background and stuff like that, but not really trained in this area. Um, okay. And it was good. Like he was able, he was able to vent some things out that he didn't really want to talk to me about, but it didn't really get him anywhere. It didn't help him grow in any way. I don't feel like it pushed him to, to move forward or to get through some of the stuff that I feel like hangs him up mm -hmm. um, now. And okay. so um, that was through, there's a, I don't know if you know what better help is, but uh -huh. basically it's like a subscription program. Mm -hmm. And so it's way cheaper than going with a, you know, an actual therapist. So uh, we did that for a while. Um, and then, you know, his group ended. And part of that was, and that one of the reasons I feel like a counselor would be better for him is that he got ganged up on in one of the last sessions of his group. The group had finished, but they were meeting anyways. And they talked about um, a touchy subject. And his viewpoint was different and he felt really ganged up on. And after that, he was like, 
I can't trust them. You know, they don't really, they don't really care about me. Um, and so it's extremely difficult for him to trust someone. And I don't feel like he even truly trusts me, even though we've been married for 15 years. Mm. And so then that was like the end point for him. Like he hasn't been in a group since then. He has in a committed group. He was in a group for a few weeks, but he was like, this isn't working. Um, and so because of that, because it's really difficult for him to trust people, I feel like what would be best for him is to be with a trained therapist who isn't going to tear him down or, you know, be harsh with him because he really needs someone to be gentle. And it's just a huge financial burden for our family. And I know I've heard that from lots of families that say, Mm -hmm. you know, that have multiple children and, you know, their budget's tight. And like, how do you afford therapy and still, um, you know, be able to afford life? Right. (laughs) Right. I do. I I have some answers for you, but before I get to them, Ariel, I want to, I want to ask you just a few things. So is the farm, is the farm his full-time job? Is that like his job? No. No. So he has a, a job that's based over the internet, which is part of the problem because he can't just get away from all the electronical things because he has to work on a computer every day. Okay. He has his own home office. Um, and so that's where his flips happen is with his work computer. And um, okay. we, you know, we've talked about different jobs and stuff, but it's, he gets paid extremely well and it's really hard to say, we're just going to up life because of the situation and um so yeah he works from home and he's been doing that for close to 10 years now i think like seven seven or eight years i think this year might be nine years and the farm is actually my dream oh he was born in the city never owned a pet (laughs) (laughs) and somehow i dragged him into this mess which he (laughs) um doesn't love all the time for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, are you guys religious? Yeah, we're we're Christian. Mm-hmm. You're Christian, and and I was a pastor's kid growing up. So okay. So do you have a pretty tight knit community with that? Um, I feel like I feel like I do. I feel like he could. Um, okay. he just doesn't trust people. So. Our pastor knows um, we've met with him a few times. He's offered like he's reached out to him and said, hey, if you need anything, you know, if we can get together, he's offered to kind of be a mediator for us trying to work through some of the stuff we've had a really hard time with lately. Um, and he just he doesn't really want to do that. You know, he doesn't feel comfortable. Everybody knowing his life, his stuff, you know, all that stuff. Okay. And um you know, he prefers an online group where he doesn't have to meet someone in person and it's not people in his community and, you know, things like that. Um, so okay. I, I have a ton of people in my life. Um, I have five very close friends who all know it's, what's happening and they've um, been really good about being there for me when I needed them. And I really feel like he has no one most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that he'd reach out to one of the guys from a group if he was struggling now. He isn't he's done pretty well in the last month since he's been home. Um, Uh, On a weekly, daily, monthly basis at this point, but those were probably the closest people he had until kind of that upheaval of mistrust and, and stuff happened. Okay. Um, He has a couple of cousins. He's 
kind of closest with and one of which was they during this time when he when I asked him to leave and he stayed he was gone three weeks um they just had a, a clashing of their relationship and haven't been able to mention it ever since and he was probably the closest person to him okay. so again goes back to he pretty much relies on me which and you know how dangerous that can be um for this journey yeah i you know as you're talking ariel there's there's a couple things coming up for me um i'm definitely seeing some patterns um but i, I want to ask you what what do you guys do for fun and what does he do for fun well, I've like really pushed him like for the last like six months um, that he needs to do more for himself. Like, hey, go do something, you know, mm -hmm. um, he likes bowling. So he's been trying to do that a little bit more regularly. Okay. Uh, and he loves music. Uh, he's extremely musically talented, like pick something up. He's never played it before. I caught him a guitar for his birthday in December and he can play Red Hot Chili Peppers. I mean, he can play pretty much anything he hears on nice. it. Pink Floyd. I mean, he just picks it up and he can just start playing it. Okay. Um, so he plays a lot of music and and we've expanded that to more musical things for him to play and practice on. So he has quite a variety now of different types. He's got drums, bass guitar, regular guitar. Um, we expanded his speaker system so that he could really enjoy the music that comes out of the speakers. Um, okay. So that's kind of his jam. And he does that on an almost daily basis now, which awesome. I think is great. Yeah. Yeah. And as far as me, I I love the farm. Um, so and then I love to be social. I'm a social person. So I enjoy nice. having time with friends, going to coffee or something like that. Most okay. of my other hobbies I don't really get to do. I, I picked up painting a little bit more um after I got into therapy because she's like, I feel like you just need something else that you can do. But it's really hard when you have six kids because as yeah. soon as I get painting stuff out, everybody wants to paint. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't do that as much because it's okay. a chore. It's a joy most of the time. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, your kids take your life over. But um, one one last question, um, and then, and then I want to dig in here a bit more. Um, does he like his job? No. Okay. No, nope. he feels very, very much um enslaved to this job because it supports his family so he's trapped um, mm -hmm, he feels very trapped in this job yeah okay. i mean excellent benefits excellent you know it, it's really hard to give up something where you know it not only is it going to provide for your family but it, dental vision you know all the all the things this job provides um but no he doesn't he has absolutely no passion for it whatsoever it's all uh, he, it's his warranty work. So it's all like numbers and, mm -hmm. you know, which he's good at. He, I mean, he'd be an excellent accountant too. Right. Um, but it, he doesn't have any passion for it. He doesn't love it in any way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've never met anyone really passionate about warranties, but, you know. <laughs> um, uh, so why am I asking you all these questions? Well, you, I usually assume it's, to get some background so you know how to answer the questions that people ask. But, but I'm doing I'm doing some I'm, I'm doing something else, Ariel. <laughs> I'm doing something else. Other than just other than just gathering information, I'm doing something else. Um I I'm taking an assessment of the inputs in in your guys' life and the inputs in his life. So that with the question of we can't afford therapy, um, you know, what like what can we do? 
when I look at the inputs of his life and I look at the, what's happening in your lives, there's a lot of good things happening. Um, but the culmination of all of these things that are going on in your life is culminating in what you're getting. Uh, if you do what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always gotten. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. I'm hearing, I'm hearing about his recovery through your perspective, but what I'm hearing is um, a not, not a very solid support system, uh, feeling trapped in a job. Um, even, even where you guys live at the farm, like kind of placating and doing it for you. Um, but feeling some passion with music and, um, bowling, some hobbies that he likes to do, but, you know, you, you combine all of those things. And what I'm hearing is there's just not much passion, purpose, and out healthy outlets in his life. And he, it's a day-to-day -day grind, raising the kids, um, feeling stuck at his job and and there's probably a ton of pain and shame underneath that he hasn't dealt with. So he's trying to survive without healthy outlets with a ton of pain underneath, right? The, the first things that you guys can do are the free ones, the, which are to look at your life and say, okay, what can we do? How can we shift things so that we set ourselves up for success? You can go pay the most expensive CSAT the best CSAT ever. And if you expect that CSAT to just fix it, it all, that's not going to happen. All of the recovery capital, we call it, the whole system needs to be in conjunction. It needs to work in conjunction with itself. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So like what can shift? Yeah. And this has been a subject that we've brought up, you know, even, even in our budget and stuff, like what, you know, what areas can we shift our budget so that we can, because if you, if you add up, you know, something that we, that, I mean, he enjoys to drink beer, he, although he doesn't drink beer anymore because he's actually gluten intolerant, came to find okay. out. Um, but he, he'll have glass of wine at most days. And, um, you know, it's like, oh, what if we take alcohol out of the budget altogether? You know, that's right. one more area we could use that money towards something else. And, you know, I've thought about, okay, for this time, yeah, this is my dream. But I told him I'd live in a cardboard box that meant that he could find healing and recovery. You know, not to say we can't have a farm later on in life or something like that to take that money, you know, out of our budget. and you know, and the time and effort it takes, because it does take time and effort yeah. on all of our part. Yes. Um, that maybe this season is something that we have to be willing to give up some things for this season. Um, yeah. I think the thing that I thought about, at least with the farm situation, is that I just worry about them because I feel like I'm willing to give up more right now than he's willing to give up. Um, that I'm worried that there will be resentment there uh, because on your you know, part if he right if he doesn't do well or if he continues to struggle or like this last year was definitely the hardest for us um you know and that's with him not really being involved in anything i feel like and he was he kept saying i feel like what he did was he was really committed to the first group really committed with the first counselor and then he felt like it didn't work it didn't i didn't fix me i'm not fixed and because he didn't feel like it worked it didn't fix him there was not a lot of commitment there um 
And it, and he's still struggling to find that commitment to want to do those things because he felt like it didn't help him. Um, did, did, but you know, you, Ariel, that's an interesting thing you just said, because to be honest with you, like, I, I don't know how good the program was or not that he did. Um, but the clients that come into my programs and work with me, the ones that succeed are not the ones coming in saying, I'm paying you money and you're going to fix me. Um, they're the ones that come in and they, they, they are motivated because I, like I said, I could be the best therapist ever. Um, but they still need to do their own work. And I'm kind of picking up a little bit of like ambivalence or just like middle ground motivation here from him. Um, like when it does get hard, is he bailing when he has some friction in group, when there's some conflict, when the therapist pushes him a little bit, you know, it's like, well, I'm not going to do that or that. I don't want to. So how motivated is he really to step into the hardest parts of the recovery work? Um, you know, he can kind of dip his toe in the water, then go back to survival mode. And that's what he's doing. And you're getting to a breaking point of enough is enough. This is so hard. Things have to change. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. And I definitely feel that way. And I think money is probably the biggest factor that he plays into everything that we've done as far as like what we choose to do and how we do it. It's like, well, that costs a lot of money. Well, you know, like and doing an intensive, for instance, he's like, I'm not paying three grand for a weekend. Like, but, but I gotta, but, but I gotta ask you, you Ariel. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that just an, an excuse? Because it's interesting. People will pay three grand to fix their car like that. It's like, well, I got to get from there, but three grand to fix their, their soul and their, their emotional health and their marriage is like, well, you know, I, there's no guarantee that that will work. And I'm not saying he should go spend the three grand, but you, you, it's, you said he makes good money. And at the same time, you're saying, but we can't afford anything. And I realize you have a farm and six kids and one on the way. I get it. Right. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it does take sacrifice and it, it shows priority when it's, look, we might have to cut out that family vacation because dad's going to this retreat. That sucks. Mm -hmm. But you know what? That's what needs to be done right now because we got to fight for our family right now. It, yeah. You see what I'm saying? And you understand yeah, this. I feel I like I'm preaching that. to the choir here a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I've probably listened to almost every podcast you guys have and probably like six or seven other therapist podcasts. I mean, I, I have probably a hundred plus hours worth of, of listening time to, you know, so, and that's one of the things there's a podcast I listened to. And he said, you know, if you take your car to a mechanic, you know, the mechanic certified, you trust him, right. To do the job. But if you take your car to a friend who doesn't know what they're doing, are you really going to trust that they're going to be able to get your car done the right way? And right. I started to realize that's kind of how I view what's happening between us is, mm -hmm. you know, I have hundreds of hours worth of experience in this topic now. Um, and, you know, I've been in a group, been in counseling, got with a, 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 a abstract coach, you know, so I, I've got a ton of experience and I feel like he has very minimal experience. He got into the one group. He's been with his CSAT counselor for three months, but otherwise he doesn't listen to any podcasts. He's not reading any books. You know, he doesn't really care to broaden his, his scope. And he basically says it's like having, you know, a pink elephant in the room. Don't look at the pink elephant. Don't look at the pink elephant. 
And for him, you know, it's a trigger to be listening to podcasts. It's a trigger mm -hmm. to read a book. It's a trigger to be in group. And so he doesn't, he, at all costs, he tries to avoid it. Same with, you know, everything else when it comes to life with us, you know, conflict, avoid at all costs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So avoidance is definitely his um, safety mechanism. And so. But as being, long as, as long as he avoids doing recovery work, as, as long as he avoids like difficult conversations with you, as long as he avoids things, this coping mechanism um, helps him survive. If we look at this, it helps him kind of keep the status quo of what he's doing in his life. And he, if he can avoid things with you, he can kind of keep the marriage because the conflict doesn't really come up, but that's not true. Ultimately, if he avoids doing his recovery work, if he avoids doing the hard work in the marriage, eventually things are going to fall apart. And this avoidant attachment, avoidant issue that he has, there's something underneath that. And that something underneath is the thing that needs to be addressed. Here's the problem. I can tell you this all day long. And you can go tell him that and he'll tr probably try to avoid what you're saying. Probably try not to, to fully take that in. You can't make him, Ariel. You can't force right. him. And hundreds of hours of, of listening and doing your own work and running a farm and having baby after baby, like you are doing so much but you cannot make him get into recovery and it affects you if he doesn't get into recovery. So then that leads to you. It leads to, okay, then in your recovery, if that's the reality, then what do you do? Yeah. And, and I thought plenty about that. I mean, when he was gone for three weeks, you know, that was the thing I was struggling with the most, you know, it's like trying to figure out, you know, at that point he was done. He was very done at that point. Um, you know, he had said, I didn't come, I didn't leave to get to work on this. I left to get away from us. Um, you know, again, that avoidance tactic he uses. <laughs> uh -huh. Um, and so, you know, there was a lot of thought of like, okay, what are, what are we going to do? What, you know, what do I need? What do I want? What do I want to see happen from here forward? And, you know, there's, I, I made a list of expectations, which the plan was to meet with somebody when he came home and he's been home a month now and we haven't met with anybody yet um, to go over those expectations, my wants, my desires, and same for him. What are your expectations? What are your wants? What are your needs? What are your desires? And to kind of just put those two together and be able to talk about where we have, where we have some kind of conflict as far as where we meet up and figure out like what the next step for that would look like. Uh -huh. And then again, it comes down to, well, we can't really afford a marriage counselor or, a, you know, and but, so. But, but Ariel, can you not afford it? Or it, does he just say that you can't? I think if we, if we really went really hard, like down to beans and rice kind of situation, yeah. um, okay. we could afford, but like, okay, for instance, on average, a, a good counselor is $150 a week. That's right. $600 a month that we would right. have to set aside, which feels impossible it really does feel impossible right i mean we don't sit we we keep a certain amount of cushion in our savings account and then we pretty much live paycheck to paycheck except for what sits in our savings account in case of an emergency like the car breaks down or you know there's an emergency room visit or something right um so you know looking for like free resources you know and i don't know how much because I know that there's a lot of people that maybe just have some dad issues or 
but I know that he has some pretty deep-rooted childhood trauma stuff. And so it makes, the question really is, can he really do it without getting in with someone who can dig in deeper with him? Yes. Can he really, yes. you know, would the, a 12-step program still be good? Yes. So, so Ariel, let's say I had $1,000 in a year to spend on therapy. Like all I had was a, a grand for an entire year. Okay. So that's like less than a hundred bucks a month. Um, what would I do? The first thing I do is, is really take an inventory of everything that I can do. That's free. That's good for me. So like I would kick into gear, little simple, basic recovery, things like exercise and getting sleep and having a good diet. So I just start with the basics of self-care. Those are completely free. Um, the next thing I would do is go to, and I might shop around a little bit, but not too much, but I'd, I'd find a good SA group, uh, which is completely free. And, and th this is what's hard for him is it's a catch 22 because he's avoidant. This goes directly against what he normally does. It's uncomfortable to go to a 12 step meeting for the first time and meet awkward people. And they might say one thing that's like, well, I'm out, I'm out. But I would go, I would say, you know what? I'm committed to this for a while. Um, I'm going to commit for three months until I try a different one, no matter what. Um, because this is a free resource. It's going to give me support. It's going to give me that support system. I'm going to go to 12-step. I'm going to do my dailies, all free. Uh, podcasts, reading books, education, YouTube video, good YouTube videos, like so much content now, so much opportunity for learning and growth. Um, okay. So I can absolutely support my recovery with those things. Now, um, music, finding passion and finding purpose goes beyond just daily. So he has that going for him. So now it can turn into a cross addiction where he's always doing it and it's out of balance. But to really say, I'm going to dedicate some effort here and feel alive there. Like, that's important. Now that he has a guitar, it's free, right? He can play the guitar. Um, I still haven't spent my thousand bucks, but I haven't gotten to the root of things. So I still haven't totally addressed some things. So if it's 150 bucks um, for a session, uh, I could get right around nine sessions. That's more than enough to do some deep trauma work. So on average, I think ART is three sessions maybe. Um, so I could, I could go do ART on three different topics and really dig deep into my trauma on those things. Now, when I dig deep into my trauma, I better have that support system for my SA group there that I can call, that I can deal with my triggers, that... I better have my dailies in place so I can handle those things um, because I know that I'm going to do that hard work with that thousand bucks that I have for this year. I got all these systems all around me supporting me to do this difficult root work, right? Now, I just, hey, I run a therapy clinic, Ariel. I just, I just told everybody how to like kind of, you know, hack this so that you, so that you don't have to spend a bunch of money. Absolutely, he could do that. Um, the, the, the issue is not about doing that exactly. It's about his desire to actually do it, his motivation to do it. Um, so whether you had a million dollars or 
five hundred dollars, that that internal motivation has to be there, or else the therapy is not going to work anyways. Yeah, uh, does that make sense? That's kind of how I felt. Mm-hmm. That's how I felt about it the first time around, and and that's kind of where you know I told him several times when he was in California. I told him, um, you have to have a, a change of heart. Like your heart has to be. Uh, ready for what it's going to take to get you to where you want to be. You say, I, I see with your words, what you're saying is that you want this, but your heart hasn't shown that that's really what you really want right now, you know? Mm-hmm. And that what I want to say is back to what you just said, which was, um, so what you're saying is that all these people that I've heard say, we can't afford this, even if you could do, you know, the, the bare minimum worth of, of counseling of some kind, it's still going to get you further than you are as long as you're committed. No question. I I worked with a, a guy who was so poor and um, we did like sessions once every three months, like three or four months. We do one check-in session and all we would do is go over like, Hey, are like, are you, are your systems in place for your recovery working? Yeah. I call my sponsor once a day. Holy cow, man, that's free. Good for you. In fact, I'm sponsoring people. Awesome. Um, he, you know, he he has a garden, and he had so so he has a garden. He had a horse. So it was, those were like his things that he was passionate about. Good, you got those things. Awesome. So it was just a every quarter we'd meet, and he'd tell me how awesome he was doing, and then he would go off and create his own recovery. Um, and yeah, I like to dig in with people. I like to work down to some of those unconscious things that they can't see. And that does take some time. And I didn't have that chance to really go there with him, but, but he was still able to set up a lot of these systems in, in order to get better. Um, so absolutely Ariel. Um, I think he can, the, 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 here's the beauty of trauma therapy. Um, so ART, EMDR and experiential retreats. So, those to me are like the the three best get down to the feeling and shift the way you feel deep inside about the trauma that you experienced. Here's the beauty of those things. CSAT, they train you that you have to go through 31 steps to get better. I actually don't fully buy into that. And, and it's a long process with a very expensive therapist. Um, Trauma therapy, you do EMDR, you can do four or five sessions and really shift. Um, like I said, you could do three sessions in ART. ART is even faster than, that's accelerated resolution therapy. It's even, even faster than EMDR. You can go to a weekend where there's good experiential therapy. It might cost you a thousand bucks, maybe 2000 bucks, and just have groundbreaking experiences that create major shifts in your life. So none of these things, Ariel, are this long, drawn-out, expensive, therapeutic process. You see what I'm saying? It's doable Yeah. to get to the yeah. roots uh, with the amount, amount of money that you have. So um, again, though, it's not about the money and it's not about even finding the best therapist. It's that internal change of heart. I, I used to suck at doing therapy, Ariel. I used to be so bad at it. And, well, because I was just starting, right? I was learning how to do it. <clears throat> and I have people 
that I still am in contact with who love me and just think I'm the best ever at therapy. And, and I'm I'm thinking like, man, I was like, I gave you horrible advice. I don't know what I was thinking, but they came into therapy knowing that they were going to create recovery. And so I was this kind of thing there that they kind of used in order for them to get themselves to their recovery. And you're kind of doing that in your life. It seems like Ariel, like you're figuring this out and trying to get yourself to recovery, right? Yeah. I'm not yeah, hearing that from so. him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, it still, I feel like he's, he doesn't save as much as he used to, but I have to jump through all these hoops for you to, you know, be okay with us, our marriage, our relationship. And, and, you know, I still feel like he's doing it really because I say so quote unquote, um, and not really because I have this deep down desire to really work through and get through, you know, all of this stuff that I've been holding on to for so long. Um, we both did actually did some EMDR with the first counselor we saw. Um, and it worked great for me. Um, I had multiple like really intense trigger things that I was able to work through with it. Um, I got to some nitty and gritty stuff for myself. And so I thought EMDR was awesome. Um, my husband had the opposite experience. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And he started having extreme anxiety, um, panic attacks. And um, yeah, I really went the opposite direction from him. He wasn't really, so we were, we were doing, it was, this was 2020. So we were doing uh, online therapy only mm -hmm. at the at that point. And so they trained you how to use, we use paddles, mm -hmm. um, which are like vibrating things that you have in yeah. both hands. And um, he attempted to use it a few times without the therapist. And I think that was part of the thing that went wrong for him. He didn't know what he was doing and he, he mm. probably wasn't using it properly. Um, but he is like intensely against EMDR because he's super afraid to go back to that place in his life where for almost six months he was having panic attacks and felt like he was going to die. Um, so he's wh still wh very which, hesitant. Which Ariel indicates that he really needs it. And so I know, right? Right. I agree. <laughs> and so he, it does need to be done in the right way where there's a lot of safety there and and tools yeah. for him to contain things and work through the emotions that come up. Um, but it just shows that he really needs it. Yeah. And he, there's he had stuff said, there. Yeah. He has said, I, I've never experienced anxiety before. I didn't know what anxiety was. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think it just really intensified what he was already dealing with, what he was already feeling. And there's no way you can grow up being neglected and, and having complete abandonment, you know, to not have anxiety around relationships and other people. Um, it really elevated his social anxiety too, which hasn't gotten better. Um, at least he can sit with people now. I mean, he can sit in a room, he can go to church and stuff, but for well over six months, like he couldn't even be in a room with people. Like he was just like, you know, grabbing the chair kind of situation. Um, which is, you know, it's slowly gotten better there. I think being in a group and having to you know, forcing himself to be in a group for a year really did help him to get through some of that. But yeah, he's intensely against EMDR and I think it's awesome. And if you can uh, find someone who's good and yeah. knows what they're doing, it definitely helps. Look at how you're describing the threshold here. So uh, it's, you know, he's he's learned how to survive and kind of be in this place. And it's like this box that's got a good lock on it inside of him. 
and the EMDR unlocked the box just a little bit, and it just was like, here it comes. It all mm-hmm. it's all coming out. Um, and so he shoved it all back in the box and locked the box up again. It's like, nope. Um, we need yeah. to open that box. We need to open it slowly enough that we can get some out. Um, the EMDR was working for him. It was moving energy. It was moving emotion. It was, it was working. And um, the pathway out of hell is through misery sometimes. And mm. he's not, he's yeah. not facing that misery. He's falling back into hell and he doesn't need to live in that pain forever. Um, but the only way out is, is through that threshold. Um, and, and so you're seeing him on the, uh, playing it safe on the one side of like, I'm not going to go through that. I'm not going to go through that. And you know that you won't fully get what you want and desire in your marriage unless he does allow himself to walk through that. And, and that's where the ambivalence is or the lack of motivation. Cause who wants to go do that? Who wants to go create panic attacks for themselves and feel anxiety and fear and all this trauma? But it makes total sense considering how much trauma that he's had. Makes total sense why yeah. he's like, ugh, I don't know if I can go after the roots here. So um I is it about money? It would be nice if you guys had a lot of money to just you know hang out in therapy, you know, every other day and whatever. That would be great. And I'm not saying that the money stress isn't real. I think it is an issue. Um, but I don't think it is the issue in terms of moving forward with with the healing as we've been talking, Ariel. So I got a question. In your opinion, uh-huh. do you think it would be better to take, say, $3,000, put it into a weekly session, you know, kind of situation or, you know, bi-weekly or whatever? Or would an intensive be more of an effective route to get somewhere? That's a good question. A- That's a good question. Um, I would... I would lean toward an intensive that's going to rock, like jar him open um, first and foremost before you spend that money week in and week out because you're kind of throwing the money down the toilet a little bit and let, mm-hmm. unless, he's, unless he's fully motivated and willing to do the hardest work. And so if that intensive is focused on, on soul work, connecting to God, finding out who he is, his purpose, that will awaken him up to then go do the actual day in and day out work. Um, so that's what okay. I would, that's what I would say. Um, yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. But even when he goes to the intensive, the same principle applies of, you know, if he goes and he's like, well, I'm going to be avoidant the whole time and I don't want to do this hard work. And then the intensive will just be weird to him and it'll be awkward. And he'll be like, that was the worst experience of my life. But if he goes with, I'm going to be brave I'm going to be strong and I'm going to try to go bust this open a little bit. Then that could set him in the right trajectory. So, so I know you've seen a lot of people. So for people in my husband's situation who are obviously avoidant and hesitant to breaking it wide open. um, Do you sit around and wait for them to figure that out? I mean, do you push them in the right direction? One of the things I told him when, before he came home and why things are going so slow currently, because honestly, if I was in charge, uh, he would have been in a group in counseling and we would have had set up with uh, either right. our, our um, pastor or my counselor or someone to work through some of these conflicts we've been having uh, within the same week of him coming home. But I told him before he came home, I said, okay, I have got to take my hands off these reins. Like I have to let go of this. I have to say, I'm stepping back, you know, I'm 
20 weeks yes, pregnant you, now. You, you do, Ariel. I can, like, I can see the, that. Good for you. There is an intense amount of stress yes. with the whole thing. And so I just had to say, okay, I yep. just can't handle the amount of stress that this is. I can't handle, you know, being in charge of making sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, this is on you. This yep. is your stuff. Yep. Um, but come a month later, not in the group, not in counseling, right. hasn't set up with a, a pastor or, you know, another counselor for us to, to work through conflicts. Um, it's like, do you just keep waiting on that line? Like, okay, we'll no, just so, see what happens. And... So what I mean, what I mean, we, we get back to your boundary. Like, what is your boundary yeah. with this? If let me work with you for just a second, Ariel. He's breaking a boundary of yours by by not doing this hard work. What is what is the boundary? It's not about him. It's about you. You know what I'm asking? Yeah. Well, and and he constantly says, "Well, this is just an ultimatum." You know, the, the, this whole thing for us started in in um like November of last year. He had the roughest month he's had since he started in this. So three years ago, his average was like weekly by weekly kind of thing for slips. And, um, you know, he was relaxing like three times a week, which is what he said when, when he told me, I said, well, how often have you been viewing pornography? And he said, you know, like somewhere between one and three times a week. And so he was November of last year. He was at that point. He was in full on relapse mode, like not in recovery, not doing any of the things he was supposed to be doing. And so come the end of that month, I said, here's the deal. You get yourself into something, you know, into a group, back into with a trained counselor, or you need to leave. Like, we, we can't continue on. We're not going to get better. We're not going to build trust. We're not going to be in a good marriage until you figure your things out. Yeah. And um, December, he said, you know, I'm really considering divorce. And, mm. and so that was kind of the breaking point for us was like, okay, we're really on the edge here. Mm -hmm. And, um, I begged him to stay. I asked mm -hmm. him not to leave. I, I told him that, you know, I, at that point I had been in counseling for two and a half months. I'd really worked through a lot of stuff for myself and I could see I was becoming a different person. Um, and you know, be, part of his avoidant and conflict situation, um, my out of control is anger. Like if I feel out of control, then, then I put all the emotions on the back. And I, I use anger as a tool mm. to, you know, get that need met. And so that's the area that I've been really working on for myself that, you know, if he comes to me and is honest, I'm not immediately losing, flipping a lid, you know, losing my mind. Um, right. But so that December is when we really, that I realized how we were, our marriage was hanging out by a string at that point in time. Uh -huh. um, and then um every pretty much every argument after that I, you know feeling the not that, that there wasn't really any connection there was like brutal i mean our arguments were brutal they mm -hmm. were loud they were you know inappropriate mm -hmm. to say the least like people shouldn't be going there um mm -hmm. and so one of those out of control arguments was when i said i feel like you need to leave i feel like we've you know we've gone too far we got to figure this out in a different way He's not an angry person in the 15 years we've been married. I think I, I can recall two times that he lost his temper. Um, he hasn't cussed since he was 10 years old. He cussed in the closet when he was 10 and he was cussing at me in that situation. And he's never done that. He's never been that way. And so that was when I was like, whoa, 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 what is even going on? Like, this right. is not that there's more to this story, you know, and and something he said is like, you just 
I feel like you're just pushing me over the edge all the time. You know, you're just pushing me over the edge. And uh, Ariel, if I could see just... all of these things happening and all of this stuff. And the truth is, he is my best friend. You know, uh-huh. there is no one I would rather go to than him. But, and so I think that's the hardest part is realizing there's nothing I can do to force him to change. You know, I've definitely come to that um, place. But at the same token, I don't want to lose him either. <laughs> but but Ariel, and I want my family to stay together. Ariel, your best option, your best thing to do right now is to not push him over the edge, not not try to get him to do things, not push him, push him, push him. Um, he's avoidant. So he's going to hate that. And and you're going to keep like going after him and he's going to keep running away. So stop doing that back up. And it's about you being vulnerable with him about you and about what you need. And so it's, it's not, you better do a, B and C. And so you're doing the best to try to back off. Right. But it's, this is like, this is what I need. It's not about expectations either. I expect you to do this. It's, it's really on a real level for you of who you are. So I need love. I need support. Um, I need safety and fidelity. Like whether I'm with you, husband, or whether I was with somebody else, like I would need these things and I'm not getting these things. And I need you to know that I, I need to fight for myself and for who I am. And that's why I'm being honest with you about what I need. And so you can go, you know, what do whatever you want to do, like ride a unicorn to the moon to get better. I don't care. But figure out how to provide these things that I need in a relationship for me. And if you if you just say, nope, forget it, I'm going to divorce you because of that, because that's what you need. Then Ariel, you really got to look at that of, is this man really wanting to love you? And I realized because the kids and the money and all these things, you might be held hostage, but you got to ask yourself, am I going to stay and spend my life in a relationship with a person who's not choosing to love me? Now, if you actually get vulnerable with those boundaries and say, this is what I need, he might say something back to you. Like, I don't know how to meet those needs. Like I, I want to, but I don't know how. And that's where you can say, well, let's start working together here on this. Let's try to figure it out. It'll be sloppy, but at least, at least, at least I got somebody who wants to figure this out and cares about what I need. Right. I feel like that's, I think that's the hardest part for, for us in this is that he is very committed to safety for me. He, I mean, he updates me. He turns his computer off immediately after work, which was one of the things we had talked about. There are so many things he's put into place for himself, for me, not for himself, but for me. But that's not, that's not, he has safety for me. That will not create safety. That won't create safety. If, if I, I I met with a guy, he got on a session with me and he was like, I hate meeting with you. I'm only here because my wife, like, this is so stupid. This is, and what, what do you think I said to him? Come back when you're ready. <laughs> I just said, well, be go like and let's let's turn off this session and go be honest with your wife that you don't want to meet with me. That like yeah. that's how you're gonna take a first step to actually solve this issue with your wife. But I'm a part of the problem if you're meeting with me, placating her and manipulating the situation, acting like you're one thing when you're another. You see yeah. what I mean? So he's not committed to safety, he's committed to compliance. 
so that he can look a certain way so that you don't run. Safety is actual strength. It's actual, I'm going to be honest with you, even when it's hard. Um, and so that's the work that he needs to do is to figure out how to be that type of man to create that safety. And the, the work that you do is I want real safety. I want real safety. I want to know when you go to California or you go like, I, we're good. Things are okay because you're taking care of your, your own stuff and I'm taking care of mine, not I'm taking care yeah. of yours and I'm taking care of mine. Right. Yeah. And, and there has been points in this journey where I felt like he was really stepping up to that. Um, I think that, so our, our daughter is 18 months old and from the day she, she was born, that was the longest stretch. It was six months from the day she was born until she was about six months old. And I had left on the trip somewhere. I went, to, I think I was taking a puppy to Reno to fly a puppy out and he relapsed while I was gone. I was gone for like four days. And there was something in him at that point in time where he just felt like the ultimate failure, you know? And, mm. and I don't think anything has changed since then. That was April of last year. Um, I feel like since then, he, there there's something different that he just he can't seem to go back to and and you know maybe he was white knuckling then i don't know and honestly it, yeah but there is but a, he, a, a, yeah he should know that commitment and and really um like standing in the zone of like seeing the pain and and being there and you know that was probably the most stress that i felt like i had in the last three years was when he really stood in in the midst of all of it and was battling, you know, and that's what I told him. I was like, I want to, I don't want to fight with you. I want to fight beside you. And when you're fighting, you know, when you're actually doing the work to fight, that's when I want to be next to you. That's when I want to give you yes. support. That's when I want to be there with yes. you. Um, and I feel like that's what's kind of been missing is that he just really hasn't had that fight in him to do, to do the things that he needs to do. And which, you know, which makes me things. wonder, it makes me wonder, Ariel, about what he's hiding from. Like, is it the pain of the trauma? Yeah. Is there other secrets? Like, I don't, I don't know, but there's something that's terrifying to like not go do the real work. So to, to placate, to do enough to appease you, you no longer, like, you don't want him to appease you anymore. Don't appease me. Just, yeah. I want you to get better. I love you. Get better. I want to, I want to support you in that, but I want to be honest with you about who I am. We're running out of time, Ariel. I could talk to you yeah. all along. <laughs> um, I really appreciate your vulnerability and you. your willingness to talk about just all the experiences you're going through. And I also want to say you're a hero, Ariel, six kids with one on the way and a farm, like, Holy cow. Um, you're, you're doing a lot of good by raising all those kids and, and, and dealing with this at the same time. So I hope, I hope you take a break sometimes for yourself and realize how awesome you are. So. Okay, Ariel, I'll let you go. Have a good one. We'll see you That's later. On the clock. I just want to say one more thing, which okay. is I've listened to dozens of different therapists on podcasts and I do feel like you're the most intuitive therapist I've ever listened to. And every time I hear you, I'm like, how does he do, how does he figure, how does he know? Like there are things that are like deep down and I'm like, dang, he's so good at his job. <laughs> well, thanks, Ariel. I appreciate that. So. You're welcome. All right. All right. We'll see you later. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. Have a good day. Bye.